We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. Uh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Fox Trotting the Get Down, White Sox Dave, Kenny Carkeep, and Dante. And we have a spectacular episode this week. And it actually is a different layout, I guess, as it usually is. We're waiting on Dante. Dave's not in tonight. Kenny is here. And we're also joined by a special guest. And this is happening extremely on the fly. A big article came out on Billboard this week about hip hop and its dominance. And so much of the things that we talk about in this podcast. And we're joined by the author, Insanul Ahmed. How are you, brother? Hey, what's up, man? Thank you for having me. Dude, we're happy to have you here because I saw this article, I clicked it, and I instantly read through it. And so much of what we talk about in this podcast and kind of the structure of the modern industry and everything going on, I felt like I was having like a like-minded person actually talk. And I think my first question is going into this is because it's such a well-written article and I respect what you do. But my question to start off is, did you write this as a hip-hop fan, like kind of out of a place of interest, out of a place of frustration? Like what was the inspiration behind going deep on this? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely as a fan. I mean, I have a certain, you know, sort of the keeper of the realm, right? You want to make sure hip-hop's in a good place. It means so much to me and to my life and to the work I've done. And, you know, I was looking around this year and I was looking at some of my, you know, playlists that I make and, you know, my albums on Spotify and all that. And I was like, you know, it's kind of been a weak year. And, you know, look, I've been in this business a long time. There's good years and there's, there's like great years and there's good years and there's bad years. It goes up and down. Um, but then, you know, I started having some conversations with some of my friends and they were kind of saying the same thing. They were like, yo, things are kind of weird right now. The vibe isn't there. And I think what really, what defined the story for me is I was watching the Rap Caviar podcast and Carl Cherry, who's one of the main voices in this piece, I saw him talking about it in one of their first episodes, like, you know, rap is in this weird place. And he kind of was saying it at the end. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'm not crazy. When I started talking to people, I realized I'm not the only person thinking this. Cause I felt like maybe I was the only one and, you know, for me, look, I turned uh, 36 this year. So to me, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of aging out of the demo. Am I getting too old? Am I getting watched? But then I talked to more people and I realized it's not just me. A lot of people are feeling this way. So that's what really made me want to write this piece. I mean, it's it's so well written. It, it, it just makes me laugh because I'm 31. Kenny's like 80. So it's like a, a, a different thing. Where no, it's I'm, like, in your, I'm in your demo, too. I'm 38. And sometimes I have to put on that filter of like, is it that I'm 38 or is this actually trash? But this is so much more about the fact that we on this podcast look at the industry always with the fucking side eye in a certain perspective because we're always trying to figure out why the wheels are turning the way that they are. Mm-hmm. And for a while now, one of the things I've always preached is that hip hop is still kind of in its infancy in a way because rock and roll has a 30 year head start on on rap and rock has gone through these things and, and these stages of stagnation and change and the asteroid hitting rock in the 90s with nirvana and things like that i almost feel like rap might be hitting its hair metal point in its history to where things have just gotten so saturated and it's the number one most dominant thing and maybe people are starting to say like okay everyone's got their hand in this right now it's getting fucked up in a certain perspective like is that what you're finding well, you know, it's funny you say about the infancy because I'm, I'm, I don't actually think that. I think, you know, one of the things I've talked about, and I've talked about this in some of the interviews that I did, didn't make the piece, but, you know, look, hip-hop is approaching year 50. Next year is the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. Now, you know, and I wrote this in a piece, but I ended up getting edited out because there wasn't enough space for it, but, you know, in the 80s, hip-hop existed, but it was struggling to get commercial, real commercial viability and get mainstream acceptance. In the 90s, hip-hop does become 
commercially viable, but it still struggles for some mainstream acceptance. In the 2000s, in this in this century, hip hop is completely dominant. It has yeah. both cultural impact and chart impact and commercial impact, and it has a revamped culture as we know it. But the thing I look at, you know, when we talk about things like rock, I mean, you think, even before that, you know, you think genres like jazz. You know, you you know, you say uh, an Andrew, uh, I'm sorry, Astro hit rock in the '90s. To me, rock music died when Kurt Cobain died. That was yeah. kind of the end of it. And rock continued. There were still popular rock bands, but it's not the same. There were no more rock stars. And everything that comes after Nirvana is not quite on the same level. And that's my fear of what might be happening to hip hop right now, where it's like, I don't know, maybe, you know, it's it, 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 at this point where, you know, the saturation is an issue too, because one of the other things we talked a little bit about in the piece, and I, you know, I wanted to go a little more into, but, you know, hip hop influences every other genre, right? Yep. But its influence is so wide and so vast that it sort of dilutes the product to this point. And like I said, when I grew up in it, I grew up in the 90s and the 2000s, and you know, I started working in business last 10 years. Even 10, 15 years ago, when I first started getting into business, it felt like hip hop was still trying to get certain recognition and certain, you know, um, achievements that it felt like it, it didn't get. But in the last 10 years, and especially in the last, you know, five in that period I talked about after 2015, as streaming comes to the forefront of the business, hip hop is not fighting for that credit, for credibility. It hasn't. It is completely widely recognized. Everybody recognizes it. But that kind of takes away some of the sort of juice, right? Now it's not counterculture. Now it is just the culture. That right? is a really interesting take. I love that. Yeah. I never and thought about it that way. It's and it's it's sort of a dangerous thing, and this kind of happened, I think, you know, with rock music too, right? Like rock music was rebellious music, and then there's like punk rock, and there's all these scenes and all this, and then it just it becomes so mainstream that it's not like outlandish anymore. It becomes a part of just like, oh, it's just music, right? Um, so when it goes through those periods, and like I said, if you look at the history of jazz, you look at the history of rock, it's sort of like a fifty-year span where it's like the early part where it's like developing and innovating, and people are pioneering the genre. Then the genre becomes like commercially viable, and then it has like this long run, and then you know things start to tail off. And look, it's not like jazz music is dead. Jazz music still exists, but it's not the popular form of music in America anymore. And same thing with rock music. There's plenty of rock bands, but there's no there's no more Nirvanas. There's no more Guns N' Roses. There's nobody on that level. There's big bands like like Maroon Five or something, but they're like kind of more like pop bands. They're not yeah. they're not what you associate with like rock and roll like. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll kind of thing, right? So that's kind of what I've—that's I've, one of my fears about what could happen to hip hop now, where it's like maybe it's at that point where people are going to look for something else, and there's some other kind of culture is coming after it. It's what freaks me out about the entire situation. Honestly, is I love hip hop so much. I love music in general, but I think maybe because of the way we consume music now rap's lifespan might be sped up. Do you know what I'm talking about? To where it's like rock, you had to still have to buy records. Now rap is in its fucking gigantic superstardom phase, but we're consuming shit so much faster that maybe it's not going to have the same impact for as long. I don't know. And you did talk about the effect of the streaming era in your article as well. Yeah, this is something that also, I mean, there was a good quote for it, but I couldn't squeeze it in from Jeff Vaughn, who I spoke to for the piece. Uh, he's the CEO of Signal Records. But, you know, one of the things he said that didn't make it was like, you know, he, he wondered whether or not it, people are being turned off by some of the cynical games that we're playing with streaming, where artists are putting out multiple projects, they're putting out 20, 30 songs on it, they're obviously trying to rack up the streams, rack up the views to do that. And it's like, is that turning people off? 
And that's something that, you know, it, it is more of a thing in rap than it is in other genres. You know, one of the success stories in the last few years that, I, you know, I mentioned at the end is like, uh, you know, Young Boy, right? Uh, NBA Young Boy is one of the most, like, pro- prolific rappers perhaps ever. Um, yeah. He's putting out 10 projects this year. And he's putting out another one tonight. So. Just, and listen, I love Young Boy, but I can't, even I can't keep up. Like, bro, I can't listen to all these projects. And look, he, they're usually like 15 to 20 songs. There's usually like seven of them are like bangers, but like yeah. I don't always have time to pick through and look through all the songs. So it's an issue where there's just so much music um, mm-hmm. to go through, and that's that's also a problem. I think you know that's turning off people too, where they they they're digging through stuff to find some something to connect with, and records aren't staying. You know, song you know this. I, I find this unfortunate when people say it, but it's true. You know, like records do come and go, right? Every week there's a, and sometimes there's weeks where it's like, man, there's like four albums I feel like I need to listen to. Right, and it could be you know maybe it's like a big artist like a little baby or a future or somebody like that. But then there's like three other people who are like yeah maybe you know Freddie maybe it is Freddie Gibbs maybe it is you know uh, a money bag you know maybe it's somebody else and it's like it just it just becomes a lot and I think that at first for hip hop like I said when streaming first came about that was an advantage it seems like it's becoming almost a disadvantage because it seems to be overwhelming the audience and that's. That's something that I got talking to everybody, you know, whether it was Carl or also Lenny, who I spoke to for the piece. You know, everyone says that. Here's a so question. We've been, we've been talking about that for a, over a year now. And it's one of those catch 22s, like chicken versus the egg things, because, yeah, there is, you know, this oversaturation of material out there. I saw some crazy stat the other day that. There's something like 30,000 songs uh, a day uploaded to Spotify. 80? 80,000. All right, 80,000 a day up to Spotify. And I mean, Colin, you know, Spotify is not like SoundCloud. Like I can't just record something and, and go and upload it to my account. Like you have to have like a record label account. You at least need like a fucking aggregator that's gonna put your shit in there. No, no, no. But it's not like like some kid in his dorm can't just record something and throw it up on Spotify. Like there, you have to have like no, you can't. You can. You can. You're not gonna get any attention. It's not. It no, no. It's what I'm saying is like SoundCloud. There's a reason SoundCloud rappers are are called SoundCloud rappers. You still need verification from spotify and acknowledgement that you're like a distributor or a label even if you're like a label to upload stuff you can't just go and like fire fucking shit up on spotify answer me answer me this at the same answer me this at the same time though so looking at that right and like the soundcloud era that recently just passed right because this soundcloud era is dead like, if you think about, like, Post Malone put up one fucking song on SoundCloud, and it happened to be White Iverson, and it got the attention, I think, of, like, Wiz Khalifa or something, and that's how his career took off. Nowadays, there, there's such an oversaturation that it's almost, in my opinion, that the thing that rap had going for it was the fact that it still felt kind of underground. It still felt a little but, bit dangerous. All right, so, so this is where I was going. So the fact that there's 80,000 songs a day being uploaded onto the platform and that's just one platform i mean it's that's the definition of oversaturation but at the same time i feel like artists have a gun to their head not just from their labels but from the public because irrelevancy is so fucking quick nowadays whereas 
if you're not constantly putting stuff out, you're out of the conversation. People, and this is what we've talked about on the podcast, people's attention span is so, so narrow now. And they're constantly, you know, it's like ADHD to the max. It's like, you listen to something one day and two days later, it's like, okay, what's next? Like I'm bored of that. So it's, it's that, it's that chicken versus the egg situation where our artists pumping all this shit out because the fans are demanding it and they need to, so that they can stay relevant or are fans demanding all this stuff because they're just being inundated with constant fucking new material and they're just you know it's just our nature to want to stay up on you know what's new and what's fresh i can tell you as an as an as a former artist that the relevancy thing is is the whole thing it's um if you feel like you haven't put stuff out in a while you feel like you start to fade and you got to put something out i want to go back to the oversaturation because it's true i mean anybody can upload you can go to TuneCore for ten dollars and upload your music to any platform that you want and that's getting uh inundated with tons of shit. now you have playlisting specifically spotify playlisting that became the gateway to relevancy as we call it um but even that's starting to get crazy saturated now at this point. And as we knew for a lot of years in the rock world, it was one person who was the the gatekeeper to the rock playlists, which is how it got relevant. Now, people are also putting out a lot of music because the money's in touring these days. It's in touring and it's in sync licenses. You can't tour if you don't have a song that you can tour on. So you keep dumping it out, dumping it out that oversaturation comes from TikTok trends and all that other shit where it's just kind of throwaway. I wonder if after all of this shit talking of radio stations, terrestrial radio stations and record labels, if they somehow knew the amount of time humans needed to process something and how to weed through a lot of that shit. And that's how we got a lot of the great stuff from the nineties and the early 2000s. Uh, I don't know. I'm just, it's a curious thought. I think it's, I think it's boiled down to an exact formula nowadays. I think that's why we're seeing every fucking song that comes out now is between two minutes and 50 seconds and three minutes and 35 seconds, which is driving me out of my I mean, mind. It's basically, it's basically two, two verses, two hooks and a, and a, and a half a bridge. Yeah. That's every song. Every song, every genre. It's it's you know what I do for I, I would, I a, Yeah, I would say that's not a new thing. A three minute song, you know, songs in the three minutes is something that goes back, you know, I think to the nineteen fifties. Um we are seeing now ninety second songs. Um, you know, I, you see things like there was Central Seed Doja and Armani White's uh, Billy Eilish record, like those are examples of like really, really short songs. Um, but I, I do think like something that also is happening here, you know, you mentioned 80,000 songs, they're, they're not all rap songs, right? They're probably mm-hmm. varieties of genres. So this is something that is happening, I think, throughout the business and throughout our culture, which is there is an oversaturation of just content period of podcasts of rap songs, of streaming shows on Netflix, of, you know, shows on, you know, even streaming networks. So like, I used to have just Netflix and now I have like seven apps. On oh, it's such a pain so in the like, ass, dude. Yeah. And, and we're all sort of inundated with this stuff. Some of the stuff, you know, you mentioned too, uh, I think you mentioned like touring and things like that. And look, one of the other big things about this, and I mentioned this piece, of course, look, we have to talk about the pandemic. I mean, the pandemic changed the world, right? It changed all of our lives. And it, it really affected the music industry. And I think also it really affected it infected the way entertainment works because 
what happened was there was a runway immediately in March 2020 where, you know, places like, you know, Hollywood, they, they don't make movies overnight. They make movies six months in advance or 12 months, 13, 18 months. You know, you already know the Marvel movie that's coming out in 2024, right? So they, they have this long runway of stuff coming out. You have all these artists who are constantly recording. They didn't just start recording yesterday. They record every day and they've got songs tucked away that they want to put on their project. So all these projects that rolled out in 2020 and all these things that happened, you know, you had people who, you know, The weekend, do Lipa, Lil Uzi, all put, put up great albums in March 2020. And, you know, it didn't really get to live out the way they would. And a lot of other people had projects that we all waited for that year. But there was this long runway of people producing music and still breaking at home because you can record at home, as, as we're all doing right now, right? Um, and I think that also created a different uh, way of, like, people just consuming content and you're at home so you have time to listen to all this stuff and go through it those habits weren't going to last forever we didn't stay in lockdown forever that it sort of disrupted the way things it disrupted touring it's why you see a lot of people you know you mentioned like the sync license why so many artists were selling their catalog you know you saw Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan selling it for you know four or five hundred million dollars because for a lot of artists too you know they need that touring money and suddenly one year two years you don't get it you're suddenly tight on catch and, you know, selling your catalog is, is a much more viable thing. So uh, all of that stuff is to say that the pandemic disrupted our lives in such a, uh, uh, a massive way. And it specifically affected, I think, this industry a lot. The other thing that's happening with the industry, too, is we talk about streaming. The adaption to streaming is pretty wide at this point. Like, if you if you don't have a Spotify account at this point, it's because you don't want it. Or, or Apple Music, or maybe you know YouTube, or whatever you like, right? Um, but for those companies like Apple and 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 uh, Spotify, they're looking to expand their user base. And the ways for them to expand their user base is not to look in the U.S. It is to look globally, because there's millions and millions of people living in Nigeria where Afrobeat started. There's millions and millions of people living in Korea where K-pop started. There's millions and millions of people living all throughout Latin America or you know Puerto Rico. Well, Puerto Rico is part of the United States, but you know where reggaeton developed and things like that. So there's a lot more audience for them to go get. So they are invested invested in expanding their audience. For them, it makes sense to make music more global. But in all those scenes, whether it's K-pop or reggaeton or or uh, Afrobeats, they're all influenced by hip hop, right? Mm -hmm. They all take notes from hip hop. They're not straight up hip hop music. You know, I think in some cases, like Bad Bunny, you can make the argument Bad Bunny is a straight up rapper, um, yeah. and he's obviously you know just demolishing the charts this year. So there's a lot of different incentives and things going on here that are both with the way we're living as consumers and the way the businesses are developing, uh, you know, in the business. Well, so what's the what's the answer here, like in the perspective of of hip hop moving forward, like and and music in general, because like you said, rap is still head honcho, but at the same time, like everything underneath that affects it. But like looking into the future, obviously there's something going on here. There's I, a layer. Go, I love back. I love what he just said about kind of the formula being completely different now. Part yeah, part of it is evolution and technology, but I, I feel like. You know, coming up in what I feel is the golden era of hip hop, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I mean, it that sucked me into being a DJ. And the reason, like, part of the reason I became a DJ, obviously, one, I loved fucking music. Two, I loved curating parties. Um, but three was I just had... A, a better collection of music than everybody else. And there was this barrier to entry for music back then, especially hip hop. And it was like a defined formula. 
you had to drop the mixtape. You had to become hot on the streets, gain buzz there first. Um, this is also at the peak of, you know, BET and the basement and Big Tigger and all that. Rap City? Had, yeah, Rap City. You had to go on, you know, the basement and freestyle to kind of get your street cred. Um, you know, and then, I mean, touring was so far, like, unless you were on like the up and smoke tour or like the no way out tour, there were no hip hop tours back then. There were no, there were no hip hop festivals there. You know, they, I, besides ice cube, no one was playing La Palooza. So it was all centered around album sales and music videos and just basically clout. And I feel like obviously now like mixtapes are totally irrelevant. It's all about streams and the 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 new kind of mixtape to me in my opinion is and it, it pisses me off but at the same time you know uh i don't want to pronounce your name wrong it's Essenul. yeah i mean dude you hit the nail on the head man um it, it's really humbling because i have to i have to constantly remind myself when i think something's trash that I'm not the fucking demographic anymore. Like these labels, these artists, they don't give a fuck about, you know, <laughs> mid thirties white guy, you know, from fucking Chicago. They care about Latin America and Asia and those markets, which are just the tip of the iceberg right now. Like the, the fucking populations over there that are untapped and, that can grow. I mean, you're seeing it with Bad Bunny right now. Like, yeah, he's smashing the charts, but part of me thinks like, I think we're just finally starting to awaken this dragon that is Latin America, who's finally oh, yeah. starting, finally starting to get online and get on the streaming and, you know, consume music the way that we have been in America for, you know, a long time now. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think there's one gigantic major market that has not uh, Spotify hasn't gotten yet. I think it's India. I think mm -hmm. India doesn't have yeah. Spotify. In India, they tried to break into the Indian market, but they struggled because YouTube kind of dominates it already. And the Indian audience, because they grew up watching Bollywood movies, Bollywood movies are basically like long music videos. Right. Um, so they already have that. So they already grew up watching it. Um, and that's already like kind of a part of their culture. So watching, you know, the YouTube stuff. I think, you know, if you watch like the YouTube Coke Studio, Series where they have like you know kind of like tiny desk, right? It's gonna be but, huge, but it's a big, big thing. And, and you go look at the views; it's like a hundred million views for all. But it's a billion people. I have a hard time believing that, that Spotify is just gonna eat that and be like, "Well, we can't get that." They're gonna go there, and they're the, the issue. Is you have a billion people, but millions and hundreds of millions of people live in dire poverty. Right, right. But phones have sort of revolutionized the world. I mean, you know, look, I'm, I'm from Bangladesh. You know, it's where I was born, um, and that's something you know my dad used to always tell me about, like. Back in the day, it took all this time to build phone lines. It's one of the things you notice about when you drive through America, you see all the, the wiring on every street on every street, right? Because they built up phone lines. It was in, you know, in the like 1920s or whatever year that was. Um, and in places like Bangladesh and India and Pakistan, like they tried to do that, but then cell phones came and it's like, well, actually, we're not gonna do anything. <laughs> we don't have to build the infrastructure, we just need to put up a satellite that will give reception. Now you have all these people that have phones, but most of them, you know, before they, they don't have the most advanced phone, they you know, you know, you go to Bangladesh, the rich side drivers have a phone, 
but they have like a flip phone or something, right? But nowadays they're starting to have iPhones and those iPhones have YouTube on them and they're watching YouTube. So that's kind of how that's grown. The streaming wars and everything is going to be an interesting thing to move forward. And But I, I just had to reach out to you to come on tonight because I thought the article was so well written. And it's nice to see someone at a publication like Billboard finally take acknowledgement and say, there might be something happening here. There might be another change coming or something's happening. And my biggest fear is that the value on art itself and music and musicians itself is waning slightly and it's becoming more background noise than anything. And I think that's a natural inclination when we're always, you know, on, on apps more than anything, we're also pumping out shit at an ungodly rate. So when I, when I read your article and I go through everything, it actually just made me like miss digging for music. It made me miss that piff and finding things like triple X by Danny Brown on complex on a random fucking article or things like, I don't know, like live love ASAP. Like, that's what I miss, and that's what I hope that someday we can get back to. The only thing is, I don't know that hip-hop's the genre that we're going to wind up doing that in, because hip-hop is so... It's the thing now. That's what made hip-hop cool, is I had to search for it. As a kid who grew up on rock, and having to search for rap, that's why rap was cool to me. Now rap is what rock was, and now I'm going back to find new bands. Like It's it's so this weird true. switch. So true. So true. It's I, weird. I, I have I have bad news for you. I have to pull this out. Give me one second. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is something I used to keep... Um, well, I think you mentioned Complex. I used to work at Complex and I worked at Genius. And I used to work at Genius. I used to have something above my desk that I'm going to show to you that they sent to me after we posted up. And it is Grandpa Simpson telling you, uh, unfortunately, it's not showing up on the screen. It is Grandpa <laughs> Simpson saying, I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. Now what I'm with isn't it, and what's it seemed weird and scary to me. It'll happen to you. And it has happened to certainly to the both of you. That's it's happened sure. to me for sure, bro. <laughs> the other the other thing I will say about this, there was someone who I wanted to speak from the piece of a music exec who who's like I'm friends with and he declined, but like, you know, we DM'd a little bit and he sent me a very interesting piece. And one of the things we were talking about was what he thought the future would be. And his his response, and I think he's right about this, is that there's gonna be scenes. Scenes are the new thing to emerge, right? Um, in the way we used to have scenes back in the day, like a punk scene or like, you know, like ASAP Bob or something, like these different kinds of scenes. Um, and I think, you know, to me, the thing that I'm somewhat hopeful for or considerate of is, you know, I look at somebody like Neat. Neat's a kind of interesting artist because there's a community around what he does. You know, I see this, and I see this with Kenny Beats. I see this with other artists too, where they have Discord followings. Yes. Um, leak culture is very interesting to me. You know, Playboy Cardi kind of set this off where, you know, to a lot of people, even if you look at his streams, like Playboy Cardi's streams aren't that crazy. I mean, well, I think a lot of Red probably is at this point. It wasn't immediately. He didn't sell like a gazillion records. He didn't even have that many chart hits. He had smaller hits than he had than Magnolia and woke up like this when he first came out. But what he has is this cult following. And the charts can't actually measure his success because all the kids that are really, really into him are actually downloading his leaks. They're buying those, they're doing those buys where like people pay, you know, you give 10 bucks, I give 10 bucks and we get a thousand dollars and some engineer who is pissed off and Playboy Cardi tells us a leak. Like that's an interesting underground culture that people are searching for, that young people are into, that most people who are over 30 have no idea it exists. They don't know even how to tap into it. I don't really, you know, I know it because I know some new fans who are like telling me, you know, I know some people who tell me about it, but it's not something that, you know, like you said, it is actually underground. It is genuinely something like that's not on the radar. It's not even on SoundCloud. It's not available anywhere. It's available in these private chats and walled gardens. And like that to me is kind of exciting. And it's 
interesting and it sounds like what the future of the genre and maybe all music might be because it, it can't be like this oversaturated thing because one of the other things about when something becomes oversaturated and it becomes widely accepted, it's not cool. And that's, that's what my cool. point is. It's that's gotta be cool. Yeah. yeah, cool is very important. And like something that's like underground and hip that only like me and you and like some of our boys know about and we talk about it and like nobody else knows what we're talking about. Like that's cool. That's like a secret society of fandom. And like that does exist for certain artists. And I think, you know, the stuff that Playboy and Yeed and, you know, Ken Carson and Destroyed Lonely, like, there's something emerging there. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be what it is, but it's something like that. It has to be something different than what we've seen before. I will take that over hearing like Lil Durk in a Target commercial. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> right. I want, right. I want the weird shit. Like, that's what I'm saying. That's what scares me. Not about the evolution of hip hop, but about the people on the outside stepping in and saying, "Okay, the kids like this. Let's beat this to fucking." death and see I, what what comes next i miss finding all my hip-hop music from skate videos yo see <laughs> that we're old as fuck <laughs> i love this Rock, dude crouch eli like but you're life. right though with the leak culture and the, the, the cardi is such an enigma to me because i i've loved cardi since he was like when asap first found him and you fucking that was interesting to me and i was like people were like this guy's an idiot and i'm like nah dude watch this shit i hated a whole lot of red when it came out i love it now but it to me is just i fear for music in general that it's just people above us saying okay we can make a quick dollar off this there's a billion fucking songs to choose from we'll just pick what's hot now and eventually music's not going to exist anymore in the capacity it does now that's what i worry about the, the real thing I would say when you guys talk about labels and stuff, it's actually the opposite of this. The labels have not been investing in young talent. And labels have almost given up developing this talent. Right. They kind of just let artists do their thing, go to TuneCore, upload your thing. If you get hot on TikTok, they'll come talk to you and maybe we'll sign you for a single deal. Maybe we'll sign you for an album deal. Maybe it'll work out. But we're not going to go play this game. Labels, the, the way the structure is right now, a friend of mine used to work you know, years ago at Universal. This is like four years, five years ago, I remember you're telling me that if the label, if Universal never put out another record, they make a million dollars a day of just the streams of all the music they have. Because they have like 70% of the entire industry. You know, and again, one of the other problems too is catalog music. I and mean, we mentioned this in the piece too, right? You're not just competing with the music of today. You're competing with all the music and the history of music because Spotify really does have True. Millions and millions of songs, right? And you saw this a few years ago when TikTok, when um, the Fleetwood Mac song Dreams took off, and then Dreams started charting on the charts again. So not not only do you need to be better than Beyonce and Drake and Kendrick, now you got to be better than Fleetwood Mac, you know? And for a lot of people, and that's also something, you know, I, I, I know with the pandemic, I know some of my friends who are in their 30s, I talk to them, what did they do? How did you spend your time? What did you listen to? And they would be like, I just started indulging in nostalgia and listening to rap records that I liked in the 90s and like rock music from the 70s and all these things. And a lot, yes, there you go. Right? Listen, all I took from that statement was every up and coming artist, kill yourself now <laughs> because <laughs> that, you, you gotta fight with beyonce and Fleetwood mac you're I mean, out dog it's it's tough and it's 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 something that you're gonna i think you're gonna keep seeing i mean some of this i think if you look at the top 50 songs on spot on spotify right now um like weekends die for you which is like five years old is on great there. song but i don't it's a great song but nothing from dawn fm is on there as far as i'm aware Right, um, uh, Kanye bound too because of a TikTok thing. Kanye's bound too, great song, but it's like, yo, that's a 10 year old song, it's a nine, 10 year old song. Um, J. Cole, No Rule Models is yep. it will be in the top 50. That's a song that just like 
I, you know, never, doesn't even have a music video, not a billion plays. Um, and but it's it, but like that song is on there, but like J. Cole, like, you know, from his last album, which I think is one of the best, better albums, um, you know, the um, the offseason, like there's nothing on there. So this is something that artists are all competing with too, where it's like you have all these records going off and you're competing not just with what's out right now, you're competing with, with everything. And for labels, they don't kind of don't care. And you got to think too, when artists today, if you're signing a deal, you're at least aware of the value of what your streaming rights are and, you know, an NFT or getting paid in crypto or something like, you know, whatever. Maybe you don't have a sophisticated understanding, but you have a vague understanding. Nobody knew what that was when they signed those deals in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, right? Those weren't even things. So for a lot of the labels, they're probably taking more of the money, you know, by streaming some old, you know, whatever, you know, some game album or something or some album from whoever that came out, you know, they signed the deal in the 90s. Like, that shit is kind of more valuable to them. Yeah, so that's say, another issue. I got to say, too, though, from the and from the artist perspective, just even the hearing the word competing against anything, you know, it's like if you're an artist and you're comparing and competing, you're not an artist. You're, you're an employee. Mm. Like, if you are making music without caring like the music is for you. It's for the artist, for whatever it is. I actually just heard Rick Rubin say this on the Joe Rogan podcast. It's when the artists start trying to match different levels, not necessarily of quality, but of structure of this and of that, of process of, of, you know, whatever. It takes a lot of the art out of it because you're no longer just making what's in your brain. You're making it based with these borders and these boundaries. And it's just a weird, another weird thing from an artist's perspective to to have to deal with. I mean, it's not saying that you you can't do it. You have to compete. You, you have, have to do that's it. A, that's yeah. a weird thing to say, I would say, in, in, in relation to rap music. Rap, the best rap music is made on competition. Like, that's yeah, it's all competition. You know? yeah, but, no, but you're talking like more like shit talking than you are like, okay, this guy did a 15 second TikTok. He did a three second YouTube. He did this, he did that. He had this animation. How do we take this? Let me hire the same people. That's the competing thing that I'm talking about that removes. <laughs> some, some of the best stuff is like, yo, you know, we talk about the 90s rap, like, you know, definitely. <laughs> I mean, that was like Biggie and Pac and Nas and Jay and Wu-Tang. Like they was all definitely doing that. Oh, for sure. Oh, no, totally. I mean, again, I'm talking in the construct of content creation and social media, things like that. It was just mm. different in the 90s. Right now, you have an algorithm. You're trying to beat the algorithm. You're trying to get into Spotify playlists. You're trying to do all these competing things as opposed to making better music than the other person. It's not about making better music than the other person. It's about outselling them in some way. I, I will say something related to that because this is something me and Carl talked about that didn't make the piece. And Carl does talk about this on the Rap Caviar podcast as well. That's kind of the issue right now with a lot of the young rappers. They're not interested in competing. They're not interested in being the best rapper alive, like the way Lil Wayne was like, I'm the best rapper alive and putting that down. The way Kendrick does on Control, where he's like, I'm trying to murder all of you. Like, no one has that. A lot of the young rappers are not driven that way. And it's one of the issues. And it's something that I was thinking about in this piece, too. There's an author by the name of his last name is Marx. He wrote a book on culture that's gotten a lot of buzz. Um, and one of the things he, he talks about is social hierarchies in culture, that culture is driven by, you know, people making a click and that in within the culture, people start to compete with one another to sort of, you know, get social status and who's the best rapper and who's the best dressed and who's the best graffiti artist. Like that's what kind of drives culture to expand. And that, when that, you know, competition goes away, and society sort of breaks up as we all kind of did during the pandemic, our society kind of hurt. Um, you start to, culture starts to lose its edge. And that's something Big else that time, I do think dude. is happening in hip hop, yeah. Big time. I mean, you you think of 
the greatest rappers alive and if they weren't pushed or even influenced by the people around them i mean it's it's great what ifs but that's great who did you say wrote that i want to i want to read that i forget his name it's something marx his last name is marx let me see if i can look it up carl marx it's not carl <laughs> marx i think that's how i remember it because his name is uh, that would be marx incredible if the ghost of carl marx wrote a book about culture <laughs> i would read that shit oh my god well dude I, honestly instant we, we've kept you for way longer than we told you we're going to and we really appreciate the fucking time um where can we find your work right now because i know you wrote for billboard you've worked with genius you've you, you've worked with complex like where are you at right now i'm freelancer right now i'm working on a number of things i got some a uh, couple things popping in gq i got a couple things in billboard i got some more stuff coming so um i am uh, available for many podcasts and stuff well, it's nice that you uh, came and talked to three fucking morons and you were in this beautiful article, man. But uh, Thank you. Thank you very uh, much. And the name of the book is Status and Culture, How Our Desire for Social Rank Creates Taste, Identity, Art, Fashion, and Constant Change by David Marks. That's it. All right. All right, David Marks. Shout the fuck out, dude. Hell yeah. Right. Uh, Instant Oil Med, thank you so much, man. Thank you for having me. We appreciate it. Take care, guys. Thank you, bro. Well, that was the smartest person we've had on the podcast in a while. <laughs> Holy fuck, dude. That was great. Oh, know, my dude. God. You know what was awesome, man, is we were talking today about discussing this. And then I'm scrolling Twitter, and I saw you retweet his article and reach out. And I was like, Colin, that's my man on top of fucking everything. And I read the article after i saw you invited him on and i was like dude this is crazy we were just talking about discussing this like i hope this guy comes on and you and he you comes on at 11 o'clock at night that's the fucking man right there you know who didn't come on tonight white Sox, dave yeah Don't worry he's fine <laughs> Yeah, I texted in the group chat. I said, oh, Dave. He said, Dave, Dave, Dave texted us as we're coming on the Zoom and said, can't make it. We'll explain later. And I said, are you okay? And Kenny said, yeah, he's fucking fine. And I said, and Kenny says, oh, wait, were you asking him? And I was like, yeah. Uh, but Dave, Dave did want everybody to know that he's going to see Marcus King tomorrow. I don't know how that helps anybody. Cool. Uh, <laughs> anyway, in the words know? of me, which Dave stole, don't care. <laughs> Dante, do you know where he is? No. Nor do I, nor do I care, honestly. <laughs> Yo, listen to me. I'm really hype off that 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 fucking conversation with Insanul. Great guy. Go read his shit because it was really good. I'm more. I just want to say something. We're proving this more and more every week. We're right about a lot of shit. We are right about a lot of shit. Yeah. I don't fucking. I don't need Billboard. I mean, great article, but I don't need Billboard articles to confirm that for me we we've, we're fucking three smart guys man we've been all in this business for a long time we know what we're talking about yeah and we're fucking killing it and also i just want to give a shout out to dante first off and kenny and me because a lot of podcasts would have fucking thrown in the towel this week and said oh we'll get him next week it's late dante just flew back from italy kenny's got two small children i'm busy as fuck but what do we do we nailed down a fucking amazing interview we got this shit done watch i'll say all this shit in the fucking files that get corrupted and we won't be able to put out the episode but i just want to say we're coming for you motherfuckers every single one of you who are in our way competition that's what i'm about see i think he was mis misinterpreting what i was saying it was yeah, you sounded like a pussy 
Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> one guy writes on a fucking pad and paper. The other one makes records and puts them out. I'm just saying when people are trying to follow TikTok trends and things like that, it's removing a lot of the artistry from the music. And you cannot deny oh. that. Dude, so much. So That's I mean, the point is that, that when people are trying to compete with content views and engagement and this and that, you're like, but you're forgetting about the fucking music. Yeah, I mean that's your that's your credo, and it's it's to me like I understand that viewpoint of like I have to fucking figure this game out. No, I have no. to. And again, that's why I said I'm not saying that people don't have to do it because it's part of what you have to do. I'm saying it's upsetting that it, I feel like it removes a lot of the artistry when a lot of the artistry now has to incorporate. You count, it, but yeah. you're. I think you're seeing that more so in hip hop than you're not seeing bands going out and being like, "We need to write the next, uh, you know, um, fucking Poland." Like, oh, but ban ba bands do it in a much fucking cornier right. way. I don't right. know how to put but that. I think they're more geared towards like, like commercial, like, like big fish, whereas gone are the days where these hip-hop artists were like i'm gonna lay this cypher out that all the fucking big rappers are gonna like you know be like holy shit he killed it on that yeah like, yeah now they're more like oh i want to be fucking trending on tiktok for a month with you know the hottest like fucking shazammed song like that that's yeah. like the new like goal you know how corny it is to listen to artists talk about analytics? You know how fucking stupid yeah. that is? Well, how annoying let, that is? You used to let business people handle all that shit back in the day, and then the artist would just make the art. And now it's it's an it's an un it's a necessary evil, right? Like you had you have to play the game. I tell people that all the time. Like you have to play the game, but fuck the game sucks sometimes. Dog, I'm getting further and further away from thinking like that, and better and better things keep coming my way in a perspective of especially on the art side. The more that I've detached myself. From the thought of like, okay, what do I have to do here? What is everybody else doing? I, I fucking put this on Instagram today. I am loving what I'm making so much more. I just don't fuck. Kenny, Kenny, what was I about to say? I just I don't, don't fucking care. Here's the dude. Again, going back to the TikTok trends and people's uh, attention spans, right? You're talking about TikTok trends that are big for what? Two weeks tops? A week tops? And then even that song fucking goes what about the music there are there are some songs and some artists like we say timeless shit that has just lived on through time because it was focused on that and not about this one week fucking trend that's it's upsetting but it's so micro and there's so much competition that in your fucking warped brain of trying your fucking you know your ego driven brain of like i gotta be the big i gotta fucking make it i have to do all this shit you will compromise you will compromise yourself. And when you stop doing that is when better things happen. I think that's like the gist of what I wanted to take away from that. Honestly, I left that conversation with more existential dread than when I came in. Cause I feel like at this point, if hip hop's not hitting the way it was, what are we doing? And I, like I said, Lil Durk's in fucking target commercials. That's freaking me out. Cause <laughs> it used to be fucking cool. It's not, that's what I'm saying. Like what if like fucking rock becomes cool again somehow? I don't know if it will, but I hope it does. <laughs> that would be cool. Uh, but yeah, no, great conversation. Uh, go read that article. Um, boys, I do have a couple of things. Guns is not coming on tonight. He has a 3 a.m. flight to head out to the When We Were Young Fest, which is this weekend. Emo Coachella is finally upon us. Uh, but there was one, al or one or album I specifically want to talk about. Dante wrote a great blog about. 
1975 album. You want to talk about a band that just does whatever the fuck they want. That record was incredible. Dante? Uh, yeah, I think it's my favorite album of the year that I've heard so far. I was biased going into it because I just loved the first three songs they released off it so much. And um, I just knew, like, even if the other 10 songs stink, this is still going to be a great album, but they're fucking great. The uh, the intro song, which, you know, like they're famous for doing on all their albums. This is like the best one they've done. The best, the so 1975. Far. Yeah. And then just the way that, and dude, I'm, I've come around. Like I was a huge Jack Antonoff hater. I still think he's a fucking weirdo as a person, but <laughs> fucking proof is there, man. Guy is like so talented like literally he can work with anybody and without changing their sound to fit his kind of lane he kind of morphs his own to fit theirs and it just works and i mean guys a stud man i mean the fact that the fact that they made the 1975 sound 80s pop 70s you know disco i mean there's just everything on this album and it dude there's like works. 70s like stones acoustic tracks on there yeah, it's, it's really great, cool man. but jack antonoff everybody fucking hold your dicks fucking jack antonoff has another album coming out tonight and it's the new taylor swift album everybody get excited i can't wait i'm seeing all your people dante all the barstool people are losing their fucking minds i don't care at all I think it's um, the thing that I'm looking forward to is listening to these. I mean, she worked with hip hop producers on this album. And really? Yeah. And I heard through the grapevine last year that um, she actually recorded a song with Drake. I don't know if it's going to be on this or if we're ever actually going to see it. But I know people from Republic that have heard it and said it was like unbelievable if but she has are... future on the album i'll listen if there's a taylor swift future track she already, had, she already had a song with future no she didn't did she yeah that song with fucking ed sheeran and him there's a future yeah dude taylor like, swift song from like two albums I ago i think i do remember that actually get the fuck out of here yeah dude it's from like two albums ago it's not good <laughs> Endgame. Um, Endgame. Yeah, Endgame. Great song. Futures mails it in though, but um, <laughs> that's weird. But, but yeah, dude. So I'm interested to hear like, is she gonna try to like be cool, fucking hit Taylor and, and reinvent herself oh again? Oh my god, or, dude. What, what if she, she does like? Yeah. What if she wraps her ass off? What if she has bars? She's like Chanel West Coast rap. If she, dude, if she has a line about, if she has a line, dude, if she has a line about doing perks, I swear to God, I'll fucking buy the album. Yo, me too. If, if there's that, a line of, yeah, that's the only reason I'm I'm interested to hear it. Otherwise, I think it's just gonna be like the last two where it's. Yo, how many awards do you think she'll win for it? <laughs> how many? How many are there? Yeah, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Like, I don't know, man. I was kind of down like on this year, and I think it's ending on a on a strong note. I think like award season, it looked like it was going to be another fucking just dud. But 
there's some there's some good music that's been coming out the last few months. I, I mean, I, I'm the only one that I'm I was really excited for was back the Arctic Monkeys were back, and the first three songs I've heard from that record are abysmal. It sounds like David dude, Bowie on fucking Valium. Dude, it's boring what, as hell. Dude, what is with that like weird? What the fuck is the name of it? Hold it's on. like waltzy. It's it's yeah. like it's I like, like what? Arctic Monkeys, but fuck, it's like some of the most pretentious music. <laughs> fucking dude, pop. the new oh, shit dude, sounds like new, their new song. Uh, what is it called? Con. Uh, the the name of the record is the Car. And I know. what's that song you just you just said? It was like a waltz song. It's they're so all weird. waltzy. Uh, I ain't quite where I think I am. Body paint and oh, there'd be a mirror ball. Yes, that one. Yes. Dude, I, I kept waiting for like it's so weird. Jumpy Arctic monkey shit. Like AM is a masterpiece in my opinion. I love AM. But the last two records both feel like if they shot David Bowie full of like horse tranquilizer and then put him with like Frank Sinatra's band. And I just like I, I want to like it. Like I'm I'm one of those people who I'll force myself to like things from artists that I like. I want to throw my phone out the window. This is bullshit. That's where I am. Kenny, is there anything positive you can give me? What about music-wise? Uh, I'm really excited for um, this new Phoenix era that's going around right now. I've been seeing all the live show videos that they've been doing, the new records coming out. They dropped a new song with uh, Ezra Koenig from Vampire Weekend. What? And fucking incredible. Of that's course. a combination of like two of my favorite bands. Yeah. And, What's and that called? I need to find that tonight featuring ezra koning it's fucking it's it's exa- when you see the name of it you're like oh and you click it it's exactly what you want it's incredible. john john mayer had a great quote he was talking a couple years ago about currents by tame and oh. and he was saying this record he said currents is the kind of album that makes you not want to be a musician anymore because it's so far ahead of its time you don't think you can ever catch up and he said it's exactly like when phoenix tra- dropped 1901 yeah and it just sounded like in the same way today on barstool backstage i posted a uh, front by uh, the Neptunes and Jay Z, and I said this shit still feels like it's ahead of its time. Like Phoenix's shit, especially the early stuff, really felt like it was from the future. Those it's unfucking electronic fuckers, Polo and Pan, Phoenix. Like there's so many good ones. Do you? But you're going to talking about currents. Do you think Kevin Parker gives a shit about TikTok trends, <laughs> or do you think he spends three months by himself in a dark room smoking weed, making the best shit he can? <laughs> no, but he's such a fucking anomaly. Do you know what I mean? Like, I met him once, and he's the sweetest human being. He's such a nice. Stop person. being cool. I'm not friends with him or anything. I met him once at a festival. I saw him. I couldn't not say hi. And like, he was just like, "Hey, man, how are you? When times your set?" Blah blah. Like, he didn't come to see us, but like, it was just a nice guy. Stop uh, being cool. <laughs> I hate you, dude. Go it's fucking change a diaper, like. I don't know. Like, no, I do agree. I, I really want to listen to that Phoenix song now. Um, oh, so good. But I don't like, I'm more, this is where I'm starting to even that conversation we had with Incident. Like, I'm getting more interested in more rock music, maybe because it's not shoved down my throat all the time. Like, that's why I liked rap because I had to search for it. Now I have to search for good bands. The rap is literally thrown in my face 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and it's every fucking where. Maybe that's how we get back to like rock being a viable thing because now it's cool again. I don't know, but that's that's the existential dread I left that conversation with. Um, Dante, how was Italy? Oh, 
fucking amazing as always. So sad to be back. Just so fucking tired. Yeah, um, what's it? What's the jet lag situation working like right dude, now? Dude, I was just gonna sleep. I took a fucking huge melatonin gummy when I got on the plane. <laughs> I got bumped up to first class, so I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be fucking awesome." Fucking white trash family behind me. Look, <laughs> the whole row. These two mouth breather parents. I don't know how they fucking afford it, and they two just animal kids who screamed. The entire they were like two and three years old. First class, dude, screamed the when I say the whole fucking eight and a half hour flight, the whole fucking flight, it was miserable. I had my headphones on trying to drown it out, just miserable. So I'm so fucking tired now. But yeah, uh, Florence was awesome. My favorite city in the world. It's the fucking best, dude. Florence is so sick. Kenny, have you been? Kenny, have you been to Florence? Uh, I have not been to Florence. Been to Italy, but not to Florence. Florence is the fucking shit, dude. Shout out to the Duomo. I don't think so. It's the best. Did you uh, did you do any touristy shit? Uh, no, I've been I've been there a million times. I um I had a wedding on Monday, which is odd. Italian weddings are usually Sunday. Um. I slept for like 20 hours one day, which I haven't done in so long. I just turned off everything in my room, blacked it out, made it an icebox. It was one of the best things I've done in so long. I highly recommend if you can, if you can do it. Just uh, hibernate for 20 hours. God damn Kenny, it. just put your kids on mute for like. I haven't gone more than like a four or five hour stretch in no- nearly three months. Yeah, go go to your wife right now and say, "I'm going to a hotel. Put the kids in, <laughs> put the kids in the cage. I need to fucking hibernate. I'm sleeping for 20 hours, dude. I woke up twice to piss and went right back to bed. I didn't check my phone. I didn't check the time. I didn't. I didn't know anything. And then did you I drug woke- your. Did you drug yourself? Like, were you on oh, melatonin? Yeah, but I was also on uh, sleep deprivation. I didn't sleep. The day before, and I took a red eye over there, and I didn't sleep on the plane, so I was just over, over tired. But it was fucking awesome, banging. It was great. Just house some fucking gnocchi, drinking Aperol uh, spritz. How how many weddings you got this week, man? Four? None, uh, none. I'm done with my weddings for the year, dude. This Jesus, is so sick, man. You had dude. like six weddings this month, dude. I was in a wedding, and then I went to my cousin's wedding, then I went to my best friend Sean's brother's wedding. I want to tell you guys. I had the experience of a lifetime. Uh, I I drank like a fucking heathen. That was a Northeast Philly wedding, but it was downtown at a beautiful place. All the boys together fucking annihilated, but woke up the next morning, literally fresh as a daisy. Went for a five-mile run, fucking took the dog on a run, like cleaned the house. My wife's in a ball on the couch, just hung over. And then I went to go bartend at night. And the second I stepped behind the bar, the delayed hangover hit me. And I wanted to fucking throw up in the ice bucket the entire night. Just fucking, I don't know what happened. I think I woke up still hammered and just drank a bunch of coffee and went for a run. And then, like, I don't know what, I got hung over while bartending. It was the worst experience of my life. Literally the worst experience of my life. Um, where are we going with this? I don't even know. Uh, this was a good episode. Really great conversation. Uh, does anybody have an on list or off the list? Anything specific? No, nothing great. Just fillers. Yeah. We have a- what did I write down? I wrote 
uh, off the list, people who call instead of text. Fuck off. If you can't tell me what you have to tell me in a text, I don't want to hear it. Uh, uh, and then uh, my on the list was home security because I just started watching The Watcher on Netflix. Dude, oh, is it good? Bro. Bro. I heard it's great. My house is a fucking fortress, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story. I'm like, nope. No, sir. Good. good. Kenny and his arsenal. Yeah. Kenny, and, Kenny has ninja stars and nunchucks, and that's it. I've got fucking shoeboxes all around the house. <laughs> Dante, Dante, do you have any uh, international owner off the list? Yeah, those fucking kids. Like... <laughs> Yeah. Jesus Christ, man! I'm so, Kenny, don't be a don't be a shit parent that lets your kids just act like fucking savages. I wasn't allowed to act that way. My parents, me neither, dude, of- me neither. So I, I feel like it's not asking. In yo, like I go to other countries, you see little kids; they act like little adults. They don't act like wild animals like they do in our country. Yeah. Get your yeah. fucking shit together, parents. Get them parenting shit. Kenny, just put them in the suitcase, check it, and then don't worry about it. They're fine like under the plane. Start crying. Just... I'm like somebody's about to go in the pool. Chill <laughs> <Show> the fuck <laughs> out. <laughs> Shut you're, up. You're gonna learn to swim fast, dude. Uh, Dante, anything good? Anything on the list? Um, <laughs> twenty hours of sleep, melatonin. Yeah, that that that's it for me. There you go. That's a good on the list. Coma. Best best dish that you ate in Italy. Dude, impossible! Like literally impossible. Every fuck, every fucking meal was just a ten. Everything I ate, uh, I did forget how good uh, steak Florentino was. Oh yes, dude! Did you go to the spot? There's a spot right near the Ponte Vecchio. That's a, like a, a really well known fucking steakhouse. Yeah, it's that's a Trattoria uh, Ponte Vecchio. Yeah, yeah that's so we went. I go there, we, I go there for lunch. We went there on our honeymoon one night, and it was fucking unbelievable. Yeah, great spot. Uh, my uh, off the, I have, I have an off the list, and it's uh, Post Malone stage designer. Dude, give the guy a fucking break. This guy keeps getting injured on stage. He broke ribs one night. Although I will say this was a freak accident. He rolled his ankle, and I think he sprained his ankle or some shit. Either stop drinking before shows or get a new stage designer. Yeah, dude. Why are there like different elevations on it? Like it's dark. It's fucking. He's like singing there's like moving lights and shit like having step ups and step downs just recipe for disaster Kenny, what's the worst fall you ever took i jumped off a 20 foot speaker stack in portugal one time and nobody caught me what <laughs> i had to go to fucking physical therapy for like three months for my back what what did you land on basically dirt no no like what part of your body did oh, my you back land on? straight onto my back oh you yeah. you fucking cannonballed i jumped off the stage every single night, thousands of shows, as high as I could go, climbing rafters, like all the shit. And then a couple times, you know, not oh. every crowd's ready for it. And then, oh, oh yeah, that one you, know who else, you know who else does that? Who? Your boy, MGK. Yeah, but like I do it ironically, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yo, Kenny, so you just land, I mean, how long did it take you to catch your breath you must have got the wind knocked out of you for oh, like a dude. minute oh it was it was as bad as it could get oh and then we left europe the next day so i had a whatever 12 hour flight to la with a horrible back couldn't sit down oh. my drummer oh. had to carry all my bags like it was a nightmare oh nightmare. but then when you have successful ones like summit music summit music hall in denver climbing the fucking balcony and then jumping off the top and then raging and you know who's the best stage diver i've ever seen is, billy corgan um no. 
Yeah, right. Steve Aoki. Uh, no, the singer, uh, I think it's Matt. Matt from uh, Cage the Elephant. Oh, he's the man. If any warning, he'll just be like, and then run off. <laughs> and he won't even jump. He just runs into it. It gets back on the stage, runs to the other side. Like I've done that a million times. Like uh, run into the like run into the crowd and run right back out. I've done that. I used to stand um, on people's faces. That was not on their faces, but on their hands. Like, and he's you, like, I used to sit on right, people's faces. Stand up. We used to bring. Did I tell you guys we used to, we made a surfboard, an yeah, actual yeah, yeah. Like, handmade epoxy surfboard with no fins that was meant for crowd surfing. And I used to take it out. I'd like test the wind. Genius. I, I'd fake paddle my way through the crowd. I'll find a video and send it to you. That's genius. Oh. Oh, my, my last thing I wanted to bring up here, because we're about to get spooky next week. I want to get a little spooky for Halloween, but I don't know what made me think of this. Is there any specific musicians that you guys have ever dressed up for as Halloween? Because I have two, and one of them is kind of offensive. I have not, but one of my good friends wore a Prince costume a few years ago, and it's Ooh. so it's so good that it's like, I got to send you a picture of it, because you're going to die. You don't know this kid, but you're going to die laughing, just being like, he went so over the top. Um, but speaking of spooky, that does remind me of something. I remember this time last year, we interviewed John Carpenter. Yeah. For what was supposed to be the final Halloween movie. <laughs> but now I'm seeing commercials for another yeah. final Halloween movie. Don't you remember him saying, though, I don't even do anything anymore? I don't even, I'm not even a part of these. Dude, how many times am I going to see Jamie Lee Curtis say, <laughs> This is the final. This is the end, Michael. This is the final like matchup. Uh, yeah, it was literally a year ago. Us interviewing John Carpenter, and John Carpenter's being like, "I don't even fucking care anymore." He's like, "I'll just keep showing up." <laughs> I don't care. Oh, but here was my thought. I, I don't know what reminded me of this because I remember I was slashed one year for Halloween as a kid, which was sick, but kind of racist. Now looking back at it, uh, did does anybody remember this period of time where like from like twenty? Does anybody remember this period of time from like 2006 to 2011 where white people kept dressing up as Lil Wayne for Halloween? No, no, I, I do dude, not. There were so many white girls from my high school that Jeez. dressed up as Lil Wayne, not blackface, but just like the face tattoos and the dreads. I went on Google today. Go on Google and Google white people dress up as Lil Wayne for Halloween. And you're going to see some egregious blackface. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened in this period of time that people were just like, nah, we can do this. It's cool. No, dude. I'm so glad I Googled that because it just validated the fact that mad people dress up like Lil Wayne for Halloween. That shouldn't have. They full tr Justin Trudeau'd it, dude. They went full Justin Trudeau. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that. Maybe it was just my neighborhood. Billy. Billy. Uh, are you Googling it? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking it up right now. It's I'm I don't know if I want this in my search history. You didn't do it. All right. All right. Yeah, that's, how, that's how we end it. Uh we have two interviews next week. We have Illiterate Light and 49 Winchester coming on. And we have the first episode of Barstool Backstage coming back live from Brooklyn Mirage, which hopefully drops next week. Uh I'm really excited about that. We have uh, John Summit and Cannon's already done. And we have Andy Frasco coming up, that fucking squirrely bastard, live from Philadelphia. We have more in the in the pipeline. We have more content than we know what to do with. We have a lot coming out. Uh, Kenny, Dante, anything else for me? Nope. No, sir. All right, White Sox, Dave, have a great night, you fucking rat. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No show. Him.